You know, growing up, it was clear to me what I wanted to be. And, and I'm not talking about what profession I wanted to be in. I think everyone's pretty clear I wasn't going to be a professional NBA player or anything like that. What I'm talking about is, is what my life would be defined by. In fact, when I was in my teenage years, like most teenagers, I wanted to be popular. I, I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be able to walk down the street and have people recognize me. I wanted my face on, on album covers and on billboards all over the city. That was my desire. Well, that, that faded quickly into my late teens and early 20s when I finally figured out what it was I wanted to be. I wanted to be rich. I wanted houses, cars. I wanted all the fancy toys. I wanted all that stuff. Only problem was I didn't really want to have to work for that stuff. I just thought it should be given to me. Well, when I realized I was going to have to work for stuff, that's when I got into my mid to, to late 20s, and I discovered that if you wanted to be considered for the job, then you were going to have to possess some certain qualities. You were going to have to be confident in yourself. You were going to have to be an extrovert. You were probably going to have to be a little bit cocky. You were going to have to go into that office, and you were going to have to talk yourself up. Never show weakness. That's how you would get the job. I was convinced. Well, I won't go into detail about where I was at in my 30s and 40s, but I will tell you this, that at no time along the path did I ever long to be known for my meekness. And yet that is exactly what Jesus tells us that we should long for is meekness. In fact, it's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, that Jesus says these words, God blesses those who are meek, for they will inherit the whole earth. You know, God calls us here. He calls us to something bigger, to meekness. And I know this isn't a very glamorous word. At least it doesn't seem at first glance is something that we should celebrate. I mean, I doubt you're ever going to walk into a sporting goods store, right, and see a Nike shirt that says, just be meek on it. Although I suppose if they could make some money off of it, they probably would. But you're not going to find it. And maybe that's because we don't truly understand what this word meek means. So let me clarify for a moment. Meekness and gentleness, they go hand in hand. Meekness implies mercy. Meekness implies self-restraint. I mean, don't let this word fool you. Meekness is not weakness. In fact, it's the opposite, but we confuse the two, and they're so different. Because a weak person can't do anything, but a meek person, on the other hand, can do something, but, but chooses not to. Meekness is described as power under control. It's the word that is used to describe reigning in a wild stallion. It, it's the idea that a person can take a horse and, and put a, a bit and a bridle in its mouth, and, and, and the horse becomes controlled. 
It's this, this powerful animal choosing to submit to authority. It, it, it is extreme power, but under constraint. I'm overwhelmed when I think of meekness in terms of Jesus, because he was the ultimate example of meekness for us. In fact, Paul writes these words in Philippians where he goes on to describe the meekness of Jesus, and he says it like this. He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You know, Jesus was ultimate power, but he was ultimate power under restraint. Meekness is, is not what we can't do. It's what we won't do. It's not about what we can't do. It's about what we won't do. And I know you say, okay, okay, this is Jesus. Of course. Of course Jesus is going to be perfect at this because Jesus was perfect at everything. But what does this mean for me? Maybe you're asking the same question I did. How am I supposed to live out meekness in my life? I'm not Jesus. Well, I, I think the best place for us to begin this journey is looking at Psalm 37 because it's almost certain that this beatitude that Jesus is speaking of in Matthew is in direct reference to what David wrote previously in Psalm 37 when David wrote these words. He said, The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. In fact, in the original text... These words from Psalm 37:11 and are identical to the words that Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount. And it's in this Psalm 37 that I believe David gives us four keys for how we can live out meekness in our life. And as I've been looking at these verses over the past few weeks and studying them, I've been challenged and encouraged by these keys and I hope that today you are challenged and encouraged by the keys too. So let's pick these keys up. David says key number one to living the meek life, he says is to commit everything you do to the Lord. Commit everything you do. Meek people will commit their way to the Lord. This is ultimately, this is giving God responsibility. This is this is pushing everything back onto God's desk. This is giving God all of our business, all of our problems, all of our relationships, all our health, our fears, our frustrations, everything we face in our life. It is staking all that stuff and it's carrying it into God's office and it's placing it on his desk and it's saying, they're yours. You take care of them. I'm not sufficient in and of myself to handle these struggles and these pressures. And so I'm giving them back to you to take care of God. Take them. I commit them to you. That is a meek person. But then we have to pick up key number two. And we take it one step further. Because David says not just to commit our ways to the Lord. But then he says next, we have to trust him. Trust him and he will help you. Meek people place everything in God's hands, but then they take it a step further, which becomes the harder work. We, we have to trust him. This means we believe that God is for us, that he's working 
for us, that he is on our side when, when, when all others are against us. And I tell you, this is sometimes hard. I, back in my younger years, I was a, a business owner, a small business owner. And I wasn't a great business owner, and I'll tell you why. It's because of this. Trust. I, I wanted things done my way. I wanted employees to do the things the way I wanted them to do it, and none of them could do it as good. I was convinced. And because of this, I never gave employees opportunities to handle things because they would never be able to do it the way I wanted them to do it, and they could never do the job as well as I knew I could do the job, so I didn't trust them. You know, in the business world, that might work. But I tell you, when we're following Jesus, it doesn't work. Because I wonder how many times I have committed my way to God, but then I've kept one hand on it because I didn't trust God to do the job the way that I think he should do the job. So I held on to it with one hand. And I tell you, when we do this, this isn't trust. This isn't meekness. Because a meek person doesn't just commit their ways to the Lord, but they trust him for the outcome. And it's only after we pick up key one and we pick up key two that we can then pick up the third key that David tells us is this, to be still in the presence of the Lord, to wait patiently for him to act. All these keys, they build on one another. We have to first commit everything, and then we have to trust God to do the work. It's only then that we can pick up this third key, which David tells us is to be still and to wait patiently. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that we should become lazy. I'm not saying that you should sit on the couch instead of going out to look for a job because you're just waiting for God to put one in your lap. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we still don't have to move. But what I am saying is that when we move, we move forward free from frenzy. We move forward with the steady calmness that comes from knowing that God is in control and he can be trusted with the results. Meek people have this quiet steadiness about their lives in the midst of chaos. When the world around them is falling apart, a meek person has this steadiness about them. Do you, I'm wondering if you can picture someone in your life that has these qualities. Does somebody come to your mind when you think of this? I, I know someone comes to my mind. The first person that I think of when I, when I picture this is someone you might know. He used to uh, work at the chapel till he retired, Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave is an example, in my mind, of meekness. In moments when I am frantic, in moments when I'm coming unglued, in moments when I'm about to lose control, Pastor Dave's on my speed dial. He's the guy I call. Because Pastor Dave is calm. Pastor Dave is gentle. Pastor Dave has this trust in the Lord that is apparent in the way that he lives his life. And this, I tell you, is not the result of him being weak. No, no, no. The exact opposite. Pastor Dave has a power in him 
that comes through this meekness, through trusting God, through waiting patiently for him. Pastor Dave is still, he is patient, he is meek. And it's in this stillness that David writes, in this waiting that David writes, that we, and then and only then we can pick up key number four, the last and final key. And I almost even don't want to read this one to you. I don't like this one. But this is the fourth one. David tells us, don't worry about evil people who prosper and fret about their wicked schemes. And then he says this. Pay close attention to this because he uses an exclamation point. Stop being angry. I admit, I will humbly admit, in our quest together for meekness this morning, this is the key that gets me. This is the one I struggle with because I love justice, especially when that justice is towards someone else. And I love fairness, especially when the fairness is towards me. I like those things. And, and I, I, I struggle to see people who, who do nothing and yet they receive more than I feel they are worthy of receiving. Gosh, even just saying that makes me embarrassed. It's such a gross thought, knowing how much I have been given by Jesus, someone that's completely unworthy. But I digress, because if I'm committing everything to God, and I'm trusting Him with the outcome, and I'm waiting patiently on Him, then I should not worry. I should not be angry about the setbacks or the obstacles of life. And when those struggles do come, and you know they come, because they come for all of us, when they come, a meek person doesn't become angry or bitter about them. Instead, a meek person will take those struggles, and they'll take those setbacks, and you know what they do? They go all the way back to key number one, and they work the steps all over again. Committing, trusting, and waiting. It sounds easy enough, right? I mean, maybe it's not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it because Jesus tells us not to just be meek because I said so. No, 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 no. Jesus tells us to be meek in his Sermon on the Mount with a promise. He follows this this call with a promise, and, and he says this, once again, God blesses those who are meek, and what's the promise? For they will inherit the whole earth. I'm thinking, inherit the whole earth? What is he talking about? Why would he make such a promise that we will inherit the whole earth? Well, I think one of the main reasons he makes this promise is that he's intending to give us strength, intending to give us strength to endure and our meekness, strength, when, when our natural inclination, when yours and my natural inclination is to get defensive and defend ourselves or to retaliate, or we want to give way to anger, we want to fight it out, we want to protect ourselves in battle. That's our natural inclination. And Jesus is giving us strength here with this promise, strength to live the meek life. In fact, the Apostle Paul he grabs hold of this same thought when he's writing his letter to the Corinthians. And he writes this. He steals straight from Jesus. He says, let no one boast of men, for all things are yours. The same words Jesus used in his Matthew chapter 5 sermon. And he says, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs 
to God. He says, look, don't boast because the world is yours. God has already made you, those in this room who, who have chosen to follow Jesus Christ, who have given their lives and trusted him to be the savior and leader of their lives. If that is you, then God has already made you heirs of this world. You are beneficiaries of this world. It makes me think, would I need to brag that my house is bigger than your house when, when in all actuality, my father owns the entire city and I'm the beneficiary of his will? Of course not. This is an incredible promise that Jesus has, and in this promise, it is meant to give you strength to live out this meekness. Because I tell you, in the quietness, in the openness, in the vulnerability of meekness, it can be a beautiful thing. We can see that. But it can also be a very painful thing. Because it goes against all that we are in our sinful nature. And it requires supernatural help for us to live this out. Help that is freely offered through Jesus and modeled through Jesus. I'm so grateful for that. You know, I wanted to share with you uh, something I actually ran across this week. If you watch the video that's recorded and put online, this isn't included in that video. Um, but but I, it was too good to not share. This, this was written by a, a lawyer, and and he, sh and he shares this. So he said, sometimes my clients have to be deposed, which means they are the ones asked questions by the other guy's lawyers. He said, it can feel intimidating with a big room full of lawyers staring at you. So when my clients are being deposed, I tell them all the same thing each time. He says this, sit in the chair and answer the questions, but do it with your hands palms up. He says, I tell them to literally have the backs of their hands on their knees and their palms toward the bottom of the table. He said, I'm very serious about this. In fact, I threaten to kick them in the shins if, they don't look, if I look down and they don't have their palms up. And when their palms are up, they have an easier time being calm. They, they have an easier time being honest and accurate. He said, this is important because it's harder for them to get defensive when their palms are up. And when people get angry or defensive, he said they make mistakes. But nobody can be defensive when their palms are up. He said, try it right now. He said, try it. You put your hands on your knees and turn your palms towards the sky. He said the opposite is true. Most people get, can get angry at a grapefruit when their fists are clenched. Something about the hardwiring that God gave each of us that links the position of our bodies to the position of our hearts. I'm not sure why we're wired this way, but I rarely have a client get frustrated or confused or get tempted to exaggerate or lie when their palms are up. And then he says this. I learned this technique from Jesus. I used to walk around with my fists clenched, defensive, angry, afraid people were going to take advantage of me. There's so many evils in this world caused if I clenched fists and I wanted to be angry, I wanted to swing at horrible things people do to me and to each other. 
But it was Jesus who taught me there was nothing I could lose if I had him. He taught me to be palms up, just like he was. He said, palms up means you have nothing to hide. Palms up, you have nothing to gain or lose. Palms up means you're strong enough to be vulnerable, even with your enemies, even when you have been tremendously wronged or mistreated. Jesus was palms up all the way to the end. What, what an example. Jesus lived his life palms up. Jesus took his final breaths on the cross, palms up. We celebrated communion together last week. Jesus gave himself, palms up, extreme power. He could have called angels down to rescue him. He could have, he could have done anything he wanted. And yet, extreme power under constraint. He gave himself cross with his palms up. I hope that we can live our lives the way Jesus did. I hope we can live our lives the way Jesus died with his palms up to the air. Because I say it one last time, Matthew chapter 5, God blesses those who are meek for they will inherit the whole earth. What a promise. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this example that you've set for us. Lord, of what it truly looks like to, to live a meek life. Lord, there's so many times I didn't think I struggled with this. I thought I was good until I looked a little closer at this and realized, man, I have a lot of work to do. Lord, may we be more like you this week. May we, in moments when, when we could get defensive, we could get angry, we could fire back, when I could overpower someone with my words, Lord, help me to have restraint. Thank you for showing me what that looks like. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday, and we have some greeters who will be dismissing you row by row. So we'll talk to you later.